Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. We have myself and Jackson Launder today. Gerald, or Garrick, as his real legal name is, could not make it tonight. Um, but we have a great guest tonight. Um, we're going to get to that shortly. Or not tonight, I guess it's today or whenever day it is. or Whatever time it is that you're listening to this is when the guest is going to be on. That's right. Her name is Pamela Baller. I've had the opportunity to coach her over the last six years and she has remarkable story and perseverance and accolade and she's just a gem of a person so listen from her story because it probably similar to every athlete's story trials tribulations overcoming and then learning and still evolving but road to Kona so um in other news before we jump into the episode Jackson did crash at camp here in St. George the last day. Unfortunately, he's broke his thumb and had to have corrective surgery. And they also accidentally attached his butt cheeks to his face, which is why he looks so plump in the cheeks right now. Uh, good one. Accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, yeah, that's the story. Camp was going real good until it didn't go well for a bit there, but um, you know, that's the way things go. And, you have to deal with it so unfortunately every time i break a bone it's like a really fucked up way that it's broken and they're like whoa i've never seen this before I guess <laughs> fix it and i'm like like the hand surgeons like i've rarely ever seen this i'm like seriously i fall off my bike and break my thumb in a weird way but anyways uh broke the thumb you know had to get that repaired just had a basically one of the tendons like pulled off a chunk of bone which was the problem because i would never have used that tendon again so they had to reattach the bone with a screw and it's kind of got to heal so that's coming along that was i guess that was just about two weeks ago now and it's actually coming along good i got my hand here going i got some movement in the thumb that looks great do a bit of a thumbs up that's about as good as it gets right now so um i do still have to obviously wear the brace for anything kind of like physical like swimming or running or anything like that but um it's definitely come a huge long way in the last week and then i did also hurt my rib i i probably did it just get a really small hairline fracture that's pretty well cleared up now so basically i was pretty limited in my training for about a week and a half and then it started coming around um and now i'm pretty well back onto full training um the swim is still pretty slow but today i did it was a good one today i did 12 200s meters on 245 pace time and i was coming in at like 242 um so that was okay like i it's kind of weird because like i just can't really push myself because like the thumbs just still sore and i don't want to overexert because you can't flex too hard or i could injure it so just kind of waiting for that to come around but that's been fine the other almost equally annoying thing to deal with has been the lockdown here um oh. we've been driving we've got a private pool that uh a friend of ours has been very kind to let us use. It's about an hour and five minutes drive, hour and 10. So we've been going there and then we've had a few swims in Milton. We've got an exemption for pro athletes. So that's about 45 minutes, except on the way home, it's like an hour because it's rush hour. So we've been getting about three or four swims a weekend. And then thank goodness pools open up really soon here on January 31st. 
So we'll be back to normal swimming. Everything will be great. We'll be ripping it. But um, while I've been busy going up surgeries and whatnot, getting this done, Nick's been just pumping out organization for the team, getting photos figured out, putting videos together, you know, getting sponsors lined up and, you know, making himself busy that way. So um, yeah. exciting to let people know on or what's that what you got? I said, what I do you got anything, well, anything exciting up, to happen? Yeah. I ended up running a fast half marathon and a tough hilly course. I was, I went one twelve, or that was PR for me on that course. So that was great. Um, so I'm feeling good about my running legs this season. Um, I finished off our last proposals and our last meetings or should be within the next couple of weeks for the team to finalize our team commitments and our team partnerships. So that's really going to take a lot of load off my shoulders. Um, additionally, there's been some other announcements. Uh, PTO came out with a age group series race, which, uh, you know, you can race the Collins cup event, um, as an age group athlete, I believe. And then also the North American and Canadian or the USA and Canadian champs, I think can sign up for those. Jackson probably knows a lot more about it since, uh, he remembers all that stuff and I don't, but there's been a lot of con controversy about it. I've seen on social media, not, I guess not a lot, a lot, but I guess maybe was one of the points of this whole thing is that it was going to be more affordable or something, or what was the selling point? And then it came out to be about same price or something. Yeah. When they were announcing that there was going to be age group racing, they kind of made a statement that said, we're going to not, charge as much as some of the other um race organizations because we're not going to rely on the age group athletes to fund basically the sport and for the pros um so they said it was going to be a lot less and then it's just not like the canadian race is 400 canadian which is like 315 us or something which isn't too bad and then the american race is 399 us which is you know, it's not like crazy. It's just not less than the other races. Right. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know what's a standard 70.3 start at like 300 us, something like that. I cannot honestly say that I remember that. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I think it, there's a range, like sometimes they start in the 200s often they get up to the 400. So it's, you know, it's, um, it's probably in the, in approximately similar range, but I, I think it would have been fine if they had just not said that statement, if they had just not said anything about the price and been like, Hey, we're bringing out age group racing. And then they brought that out and it's like, Oh, okay. It's kind of a lot, but you also get to watch like the best pro race that you're ever going to see pretty much. The day before. I, yeah. And it's there. I'm assuming they give a free ticket to watch or seating or something uh, for people to be able to spectate that. So you know, I think it's, I still think people should go if they can. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, you know, I think they're, they're going to be good races because they're in conjunction with challenge. Are they not? Yeah. And that's, I think the overall bigger picture is like, these events are still going to be awesome. You're not going to be going and lacking or not going to be, I mean, they're all going to funnel into championship series points for, you know, PTO or challenge. I mean, I don't really know how it's going to happen right at this moment, but ultimately I think the point is it's different. You know, we've all as triathletes been bitching about Ironman for years. And now an organization comes out, does things a little different, maybe adds more value here and, you know, provides more entertainment and 
probably a better experience, I, I'd hope to say. And it seems just like a lot of people are throwing tons of shade at it just about the price point. It's kind of, I don't know, I don't really like to see that type of energy out there when it comes to a corporation who's trying to do something different. Obviously, there's, you know, anyone who's doing anything is going to try to do it to make money. So let's not even, you know, turn a, a blind cheek to that. Like, PTO needs to re recoup some of their investment over the last few years. So yeah. they need to make a sustainable model, right? So that's one way to look at it is if you like what they're doing and you like watching these awesome pro races and the races they put on for age groupers end up being good, then it's worth the price. And, you know, if it helps sustain the PTO and allow them to, to have these awesome, this more professional sport, then, you know, it's good, but yeah, I don't quite know why they went with such a different price point between the two races, but it could be venue. I mean, it's in Dallas, Texas, like maybe wherever facilities they need to yeah. be using are more expensive. Well, closing roads, um, you know, I know a lot of race organizers and race owners, and it's a passionate sport out of love. They don't do it to make money. So I would say that if there's an associated cost, the margins that they're earning are probably not as much as you think they are because it costs, you know, 15 to $25,000 sometimes is just close roads and pay the officials and get the barriers um, or the, the marshals and the police officers. So everything's so expensive. And also let's be honest, communities know that they can charge a lot for these races to get put on now because people are making a lot of money. So the prices of races are going to keep going up if communities are still going to charge a lot. That's why Ironman has to go to sometimes more rural environments where the cities are like, Hey, we want people to come here, like Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like why would anyone really ever go to Tulsa otherwise, if there wasn't like a cool race there or something, right? Right. It's just another yeah. opportunity. So anyways, moving on from that, um, that happened and it's good. Jackson's healing. We're getting races going. Hopefully we'll see it clash Miami Jack. Um, looking good it's it's coming around i'm saying there's about a 95 percent chance i'll be good to go for that now so that'd be great pretty stoked on that and uh i'm really excited to do my first class race because when i did daytona it was still challenge and then i just haven't been able to make one work with my schedule and this is going to be the really awesome and it's a little shorter race like better it's a perfect distance to start off the year and it's going to be freaking sweet man yeah um so yeah anyways lot going on good stuff teams coming on we're gonna have some more episodes with uh more of our female counterparts on the team here uh tamara leslie and lisa probably gonna get them involved on co-hosting and getting some guests on so more stuff to come from real triathlon podcast over this year um also remember this will be a video podcast available on youtube on our youtube channel give it some love subscribe all that jargon um, and let's dive into the episode with pamela Ballard age group awesome athlete of the day welcome back to the show we are here with a very very near and dear person to my heart jackson laundry is not that person it is pam Ballard. jackson you're here obviously you're my buddy and my bro but um pam you and i've known each other i think as long or if not longer than jackson but um go ahead and just jump in pam and give us a quick, you know, last three to four years, what's going on. You're an age group triathlete who I've coached. So that's really my first intro to you, but why you're, uh, why you're here. Um, started doing triathlon, uh, 2013. 
um, joined up with you in 2016 with uh, wanting to make sure or wanting to get to Kona. Um, kind of a one-track mind. Um, didn't grow up as a swimmer, grew up as an athlete. Um, just started fresh biking and swimming um, back then. And you've been kind of, uh, as I always say, weaving and bobbing and trying to get me uh, healthy to show up at a race and hopefully get that top spot. Because in my age group of 60, your only, only way you're going to Kona is if you come in first. Absolutely. Um, and when I had initially started working with you, it was back when I lived in Tampa Bay and you've lived in Clearwater this whole time. And we used to have a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, saw you a lot, worked on, you know, technique, all that stuff. But since I've moved to Utah, we've still seen each other a couple times a year at races, but doing this all remotely. And I think working with you in person has made this partnership still pretty fruitful and given you the opportunity to grow. Um, but some of the things I want to highlight about your personality before we go any further is I use you as an example of hardworking, dedication, letting nothing get in between you and your outcome. I tell everyone about that drive that you have and what it takes to get there because, you know, having worked with you, I know your habits of work, you know, you're a night owl, you struggle with sleep. We've done everything we can to try to get you to sleep more than four to five hours a night. Um, you're a workaholic completely like you, you were on your own business and you got hired on full time with, uh, you I think you're, uh, an architect for industrial architect. Fabric do fabrication drawings, fabrication drawings. So your work is very meticulous, of course. Um, and you have a lot of deadlines and stress, but then you're always doing so much damn yard work. You're always, Oh, I was going to, you know, bike ride was uh, hard, but then I spent four hours doing yard work. I'm like, gosh, dang it. She's always working so hard. You know, Jackson, you could probably relate. You're always building down Zebos and stuff. And Oh, it sounds like my wife. She's always <laughs> just trying to take on everything around the house, the yard, but yeah, the sleep, you know, tackling, I think, you know, a lot of age groupers find a way to do it on less sleep. And a lot of it is like, there's just not enough time in a day when you got a full-time job plus, you know, house plus training plus everything. So, um, that's pretty impressive, but definitely, uh, if you're a night owl, then you're a little bit opposite of Nick. Who's, uh, who likes to be up pretty early, but yeah, I'd love to hear about, I'd love to hear a little, you know, since 2016 is actually closer to six years, Nick, that you guys have been working together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how did you get from going into the sport to like finding Nick and kind of trying to take it more seriously and go to Kona? Um, found a group of people in the Clearwater area just first running. Um, but they also did some group coaching for triathlon. And for some, I, you know, I, I remember way back when triathlon, you know, watching Ironman World Championships on NBC and seeing some of it going like, wow, wouldn't that be great? You just kind of tuck that in the back of your head. But it was having moving to Clearwater, finding this group to run with, and knowing that they did um, triathlon training. It was actually, wasn't until my mom passed that I got a hold of her 25-year-old truck aluminum bike and said, oh, I can do a triathlon now because I have a bike. And, so, right. and my kids were swimmers. I sat on a pool deck. I never swam. Um, so I did apologize to them after taking my first trip to the pool and barely making it across the pool and just like not being able to breathe. So it's been a long road. Um, but then the, some of the people that I worked out with 
in this um, group knew Nick and John at the time and just kind of wanted to get a little bit more serious and not have it just be a group activity, but get some um, one-on-one coaching. Yeah. And that's when you kind of started taking little chunks out of your goals over time. I mean, you came from a very, um, I guess, standard background when it comes to triathlon, you know, swimming is usually not where people have their forte in this sport. It's, it's probably one in 30 that have had a strong confidence and awareness within the swim. So as, as with you, we, we worked on all those drills and got you into masters. You've done everything. You've not ever given up on any of that, even though we've had back issues, hip issues, calf issues. Um, we'll get into those a little bit more and how you've handled them. But my point is you just went all in um, and you have been all in since getting the right gear, finding the right people to take care of every small thing that comes up. And I think that's what it takes now. And that's probably the biggest foot stomp point is like, if you plan to go to a championship event as an age group athlete in our sport, it's not just an auto qualification sometimes um, for, for certainly for Kona, you know, seven point three worlds, sometimes they're, you know, rolling down to every age group throughout. And then at the very end, they're like, Hey, we got 15 slots left. Who wants to go? So when it comes (laughs) to 7.3 worlds, it's been different, but Kona certainly has been an ambition for you for a long time. So moving uh, into a little bit deeper into your progression, um, you know, what is it, uh, you know, after everything has been said and done and you're finally qualified for Kona, not through legacy, through your own performance, um, you know, getting from where we were back in 2016 to now, what was the kind of prevailing notion that has always kept you focused and always kept you moving forward despite the ups and downs? Well, always before every race, I would do my research and see who was going to be there. And I always kind of kept them in the back of my mind. And when, you know, kind of jump on a, a trainer ride, I'd think, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, she's not slacking it today. She's, you know, crushing it and she's going to be out there and she's faster than I am right now. So I just need to kind of like, you know, bear down and get it done and makes, you know, baby steps make, you know, continue to go in the right direction. Um, I'm constantly thinking of people who I know are in my age group and who I just know I need to keep working in order to get better and get better than them. That's really cool. Cause that's like a, almost like a pro mindset where you're really racing your competitors, um, which makes sense because you got to win your age group. And I've, you know, I know a lot of people who, um, are in the same boat and it, it's typical in the women's age groups where there's just not as many competitors and you have to win. And, and, you know, I have a friend who's been second, like, so many times trying to get to Kona and just hasn't been able to go. So um, where is it that you won um, and were able to qualify and when? Um, just this past November at Ironman, Arizona. I just, and I also, I told Nick before the race, I said, um, this one's it. This is it. This mm-hmm. is, this is my race to do it. I knew who was going to be there. Um, there are a couple questionable people, whether they're going to show. Um, and it was just, I had a good year where I kept all the niggles and the injuries to a minimum, just kept kind of every day, just making tiny little advances and um, had some good runs. I mean, that's been the difficult part is being able to run at, you know, when you get older, it's just so much harder, but um, said it was going to be that that was going to be my race. And it was. 
What about picking the right races? You've always kind of, I mean, you, you've raced quite a bit throughout the season. Sometimes, you know, three or four Ironmans are just no big deal for you throughout the season. How are you picking races and did it make sense for you to back off on some or go more all in on others and kind of how that strategy look? Well, I wanted to group, try and be able to group two races at a time with a little bit of time in between and using the fitness from the first race going into the second, because the, the builds are so tough. Um, they just take so much out of you. So wanted to be able to benefit from the build and then I had to decide which race based on whether it was flat or hot or cold, whether it was going to be my, you know, I'm going to go for a race or I'm just knocking one more race off for legacy one way or the other, whether it was legacy or, you know, finishing first, I was working my way to Kona. Yeah. Um, why? I mean, we know you saw Kona way back when, and it's been, you know, years since, and that's still been in your mind, but why has that been such a milestone for you? kind of the top of the sport, you know, it's, it's, it's where the finish is. Um, I've, I've been visualizing going to Kona for this, this entire time. And I'm, you know, kind of ticked off as I'm trying to get through a workout and I just keep thinking, yeah, this is going to get me where I want to be. And, you know, then I start just kind of motivates me to keep going. Um, Jackson, you had a question. I don't know if I cut you off. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of, people's dream really in the sport and that's what keeps a lot of people in it uh for sure so two questions one i guess if you qualify in november you're probably going to kona in october is that right yes cool so um a lot of people kind of have been obviously postponed with their kona and they've had to you know switch it to saint george um do you feel that uh for you you really want to go to Kona or if the world championship ends up being somewhere else or they have to postpone it, um, would that be a huge disappointment for you? Um, if this year they have to postpone it, I'd probably just go with it. I mean, I'd love to, I maybe think I, maybe I could get back to Kona on a different year, but at, even at Arizona, like if it wasn't going to be my first, if I wasn't going to come in first and take that spot, I probably would have taken a spot to go to, to St. George to do that race. I mean, the whole atmosphere of a championship race, you know, I was out at worlds this past, what month was it? September. Yes. Um, it was, it was just so much fun to be out there, even though like so many people qualified, it was still a really great experience. Um, Kona's kind of been where I wanted to go and where I wanted to do a championship. So I'm kind of hoping that things stay open and people stay healthy and, uh, that date works out. Yeah, I, I think I've kind of had to ask a lot of people this question because it's it's on tip of the tongue. Is it really a, a championship level event if it's not at Kona? And I, you know, I live in St. George. I ride these courses. I've seen the bike course you are going to have to race in October. I mean, um, not in October, but when everyone's going to have to race in May for the championship here in St. George, that bike course is tough. And if it's windy, which it normally is in that same direction, that's usually windy out of, it's going to be probably just as hard, if not harder, if in Kona and with St. George weather, it could either be blowing and cold or stiflingly hot, crazy rainstorms. There's just, I think the opportunity for this race to be even, you know, more challenging is, is there. Um, obviously Kona, we see pro athletes, they race like once and then they race at Kona because that race is so unique in terms of heat in Pam, you live in Florida. 
So that I is like just, the heat. Yeah. Brutal, stifling, spongy heat. We're Sopping wet humidity. Yeah, that humidity is brutal. Love um, it. And, and wind are your hills, you know, whenever you're out in the, those causeways, you're battling tons of wind. And that's just like going uphill, like you're going to have on PK. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, your journey has been good. So jump, jumping into some of the things um, that have set you back, you know, what do you feel have been major setbacks that you've had, or, you know, we've both had to deal with in some way, but mainly you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always that one workout where, you know, that maybe push just too hard, like going above the metrics, trying to just do that much better. And I think I can go back and name every workout that ended up resulting in some type of little injury that kept me off, you know, not working out like I wanted to. I mean, I, I can name them all and yeah. just, um, and, yeah. And the thing that's been, I'd say frustrating for both of us is, I mean, looking at you over the years, like you are as fit as it gets completely, you know, low body fat, very physically agile. You were a gymnast when you were in your youth. So very physically aware, alert, how to, how your body's working. But at the same time, all the long, the, the hyper elasticity of your muscles has been kind of a detriment in terms of like very limber hamstrings, but incredibly tight quads. So we've had a lot of hip issues on, um, you know, what injuries, you know, do you cite um, that you feel comfortable talking about and what were some of the programs that you and I kind of navigated to make up? Cause the, the bottom line, the point of this is you can always work on something, even if you're not able to run at full speed, you know, what, what are some of the things you did when you couldn't do the, the primary directive? I think, I think a lot of the issues came from what's pretty common with, like women in my age is, is glute issues. We glutes, not strong enough core um, because of some imbalance in muscles, you get lack of mobility. And then when you start adding Ironman training and just long runs and it's, it's really the runs that get you, that's the hard part. Um, and so there was a lot of time spent doing strength work, quad work um, uh, back at, I think it was um, 2018. Um, Ironman Florida went into it after not really recovering from a run and tore glute muscle, which kept me out for months, which had me running on an Ultra G for months on end and a lot of PT work. Um, the glutes, the glutes have really come a long way, but it's something that I do, you know, three or four times a week. I'm constantly thinking about, you know, core strength, glute strength, because if I can, don't keep that strong, nothing else is, you know, I'm going to end up injured. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, I've, as you said, we've run into some back problems, which actually was from back in the days as a gymnast and, you know, back, you do things with your back you shouldn't do. Um, <laughs> so kind of an old injury came up to bite me, um, ended up going through multiple rounds of some injections into uh, a steroid shot for one, and then injections into the facets, the, um, the nerves. And uh, they juiced those things up about a, a year ago and been riding doing okay since then. But, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm walking on the eggshells. I, I still have to be careful with what I do. And it's keeping strength and continuing to build strength. And then um, kind of trusting that strength that I can push through harder and harder, whether it's a run or a bike. Yeah. So I, I've, um, 
you know, I had a couple injuries myself over the years and, and not usually a repetitive stress type injury, but, um, you know, injuries are a huge thing in this sport. And like you mentioned, you kind of know when you pushed through a little bit too much, is that something like, is there a, uh, something you've learned from there that you've been taking forward and improving over the years, something that people can really, you know, take home and, and think about in their own training to prevent injuries? Well, I, you know, Nick might not want to hear this, but um, I, I take a look at the workout and I take a look at 10 intervals and it's like, you know, do I really need to push through 10? I'm going to give you, I'm always going to give you quality work, but if I'm feeling it at eight, that I've really done a great job, I'm not going to do those extra two to just do with them to check, check the box. If I feel like, you know, I'm maybe just pushing the limit here and I'd really like to be able to recover and do some quality work tomorrow. I'm never upset about that, by the way. I, know. Just so you know. I, know. I, I do know. that a lot. Always great... wanting to listen to your body. Yeah, that's yeah. a great, you know, a great um, point is that as triathletes, we all tend to be perfectionists and think, oh, I got to do it exactly like this or has to be this number, this speed. And that's where we can get into trouble because you totally ignore your body signals. And, and obviously you've gotten good at, at listening to that. Um, but for some people it shows up in different ways. You know, some people get an injury like you, like a glute injury or, um, you know, a back injury. Some people it will show up as like a deficiency, like an iron deficiency or an, just low energy or, um, you know, just low motivation if they push too hard. So it's a good point that I think people should listen to is the workout is more, it's not necessarily like the Holy grail of everything you should do. It's, it's a guideline of what your coach thinks you should do. And you've also ultimately got to know yourself, whether you're, you know, whether that's the exact right a number of reps or not. Um, but yeah, obviously you've done a great job to be able to qualify for Kona. So this season, what does it look like for you? Obviously that's your a race. How are you going to uh, structure your other races to help you get ready for that? Yeah, I, I had some other Ironmans on board just because I was going for legacy if I couldn't get to Kona otherwise. So opted to do no other iron, full Ironmans this year. Um, Going to probably pick up a uh, 70.3 in the summer, um, do St. Anthony's this spring and maybe yeah, some do. local stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, and some some local smaller stuff that I haven't done over the years because I've been just working on the full distance and keeping that going. So could lighten it up a little bit. I'd really like to have a really good race in Kona. So Sweet. like stay healthy. So probably have a little bit lower overall volume and intensity in your training in the first part of the season then probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously this is probably the best opportunity for you to go and put together an A plus performance because we're not chasing a goal now. We've achieved it and we wanna we wanna shine on that platform. So the pressure's off and it's as much as it's a bit of a victory lap, it's also an opportunity to still requalify if you go really well there, you know? So I think, mm -hmm. I think the wins are in your favor when it comes to right now, all the years we've put into getting to where you are now, all the, and I would say that, you know, injury is often viewed as the end all be all. And as a type personality athletes were, well, everything falls apart if you can't do this one aspect within your realm of, you know, training. But I think that you've been, and this is why another reason I wanted to bring you on is because I think that you've shown tons of people through just by being you 
that just because you're not able to run right now um, or your back's bothering you on the bike, um, you know, we've gotten to the Ultra G, you get massage therapy with a very well-known sports massage therapist who I've seen for years as well when I was in St. Petersburg area. Um, we've kind of explored We've left no stone unturned when it comes to keeping your body tuned, your mind fresh, and you've never really just fallen apart when you've not been able to do something. You've been like, well, let's pack our shit in a different way and let's organize it with a different outcome and let's keep training to keep your, your body going. But anyways, you've just become very smart over the years in terms of, and I have too. I mean, I've been learning more about the female reproductive system and over the age of 45 and, you know, Sims, all that stuff. I've been just learning how, how to work with postmenopausal women. And, and I think that's, it's valuable. Like the knowledge I've been able to, to come across working with you has shed a lot of light on items of training and in physiology that I really admire. So when it comes to that aspect, obviously, since you're living it, you know, what did you find training wise benefited you more uh, rather than injuring you but still you know taking a different pathway but also getting a good outcome um i i think you know last year or you know there's such a difference between 2016 and, and my training year last year and where we focused on i think more quality stuff uh high intensity training added some you know more strength training um you just trying to get more sleep <laughs> Um, that damn order. Just, yeah, I'm good. Hey, I, well, I know when I don't sleep, but it's still telling me every night I barely sleep. Yeah. Um, um, just, um, I mean, I, I, I think right when it comes down to was quality over quantity. I mean, that's kind of what last year was and, um, being able to end the year healthy and jump into this year has been like huge. Nice. Well, you mentioned sleep again. Let's just touch on that really quick. What is your typical, you know, cause everyone's, I think everyone thinks that everyone else does so amazing with all the recovery and stuff, but then we're, you know, like myself, like I, I, I'm in bed for so many hours and then I feel like I never sleep. Um, what is a normal night's sleep for you? Do you think? And like, what have you been working on to try to improve that? Cause that's something that everybody really could improve. I think their sleep, hardly anybody gets enough. Yeah, I've, I've given up on fighting my circadian clock. I'm not, I'm not going to go to bed early. I grew up in a sport where I was at the gym every night till 10 o'clock. So I, as a kid, I never went to bed early. In college, yeah. I stayed up late, never went to bed early. I start my workouts at seven o'clock at night, unless I swim midday. So yeah. if I have two workouts, sometimes I'm finishing up at 1030, 11 o'clock. I kind of unwind, I stretch. When I shower afterwards, at the end of the shower, I do turn on cold water. That's a Stacy Sims thing that just kind of cools the body off and kind of gets you ready. I have a bed jet in my bed that blows cold air between two sheets that keeps wow. me cool at night because you got to reduce your body temperature to stay asleep. And when yeah. you're like me and your body is self-combusting like a dozen times during the day with hot flashes, I need to be able to stay cool at night if I want to go to sleep. Uh. I can fall asleep. And, you know, some, I do, you know, magnesium at night, other things, you know, yeah. other things try and help the sleep. I can yeah. fall asleep. I can't stay asleep. I'm up pretty much every night, you know, two, three o'clock up and, you know, tons of just 
rolling around up wide awake, staring at the ceiling. I also no longer set my clock, my alarm in the morning. I sleep in until I, cause I do most, I just, I get some really good sleep after 4 a.m. Yeah. And I won't get up till like 8, 8.30. Yeah. Just yeah. to get that sleep. So there's two and a half, I have about two to two and a half hours sometimes on most nights where I'm just awake. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, those great, you know, good points with the body temperature. I think people, people like to feel like they're really, really warm, but your body temperature actually does go down overnight. So that's really cool. I haven't heard of a, um, what, what'd you call it? A, an air conditioner for your it's, sheets? It's a, it's a bed jet. My bed husband jet. was watching, he was watching a documentary on women cyclists and they determined that they weren't all sleeping well enough. And then that the, the British, they're British and that they um, got them all bed jets to reduce their body temperatures at night so that they could be cooler at night so that they could sleep better. And then next thing I know, Amazon's at the door and there's a bed jet. I think I'm going to have to use them as a team sponsor. That's awesome. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Anything you get better sleep, it's awesome. Like, and I I really think that it's a great point you brought up that that you have kind of a later circadian rhythm because there is a lot. There are quite a few people who have a late circadian rhythm. Some people are early birds. And if possible with your work and lifestyle, it's probably best to do what feels best and you know I might not be a a really late night owl but um I can't there's no point in me going to bed before like 10 o'clock because I'm just not gonna fall asleep so um and the same thing in the morning if I'm getting up before like pretty much eight I'm like what the hell's going on here I'm I'm exhausted so those days are just bad days it's just Nick in the kitchen making coffee at 4 a.m and (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah it's great that people are starting to do more research on sleep and, and uh, I think it'd be awesome to, Hey, you know what? We could bring a sleep expert on and doing a, a whole episode on sleep. That'd be so cool. Well, we've got a couple episodes. We want, we have a sex expert. We want to come on and talk about with triathletes and or endurance athletes and libido. We actually also, have the expert or have you just thought of it? What's that? Do we have the expert yet? Or have you just thought you want to get one? I think I'm an expert. So I'm, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> No, no, we'll find someone with some, some, uh, MDs after their name or something, but anyways, yeah, good point. Sleep, uh, I think is probably as a society, uh, something we all suck at. Um, so, or I guess as a culture, so maybe that's probably worse for triathletes who are overworked, overstressed anyways, and then we're just going to train you to death and then give you, give you less sleep. But it's amazing, Pam, the more tired you get, the less you sleep sometimes. So I think that's a pretty interesting fact about you. Yeah, I go, I get a, I'll have a couple of really awful nights and then all of a sudden I'll sleep and it's like, this is great. And then, you know, you know, next thing you know, I'm three nights of staring at the ceiling. It probably doesn't help that we have this big giant clock that, you know, shoots the t- time of the day up on the ceiling in the middle of the night. I'll see you just pound it down. <laughs> yeah, you gotta I know, I try not to look at it, but. It's oh, there. Get rid I of that. Yeah, get rid of that. Get rid of that. For years. <laughs> and you know what? I have a theory that I think most people are going to not like, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't think tracking your sleep with a watch or a ring or any of that is good because it gives you anxiety about how much you're sleeping and it, it makes you worried about how bad it's going to be or good in the morning. And there's nothing you can do to change it. And I think, you know, it depends if you can kind of just use it as a tool and not worry about it, fine. But most people are too worried about it. And then it actually makes their sleep worse. I'm agreeing with that because I think I feel the same way about calorie counting. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, Pam, back to you. Um, anyways, when it comes to all other things you've done, I think it's a good point to bring in now that we're talking about a little bit of fueling. Have you adjusted your fueling um, for anything that you're doing now versus when you were, you know, younger? Like, I know we're putting a lot more protein in you for sure, but anything else? Really, yeah, really boosting the protein um, since the body doesn't use it like it used to. It just doesn't use as much as you take in. So you have to take in a ton. Um, I've, I've kind of gone the Stacey Sims route where I try and keep a lot of my hydration in the bottle and food in my pockets. I do like to eat food on the bike. Um, I, the run is like a smorgasbord. I just yeah, you eat, eat like everything. peanut butter jelly sandwiches all day long. Peanut butter jelly sandwiches and those little potatoes. You put some olive oil on it and some base salt. Um, those are really good like after the first half of the bike. And then you can, um, you know, that's salty you know, salty flavor is great. So, um, food, a lot of food. I, I like to eat a lot of food on the bike. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we've kind of made sure that you start to eat a lot more so you can run better. And that's actually made a, a lot more sense, um, as we've gone on, because we, you know, we tried to put you with some of the more liquid strategies over the years and didn't work for you. And now we've gone back to, you know, what makes you feel good and also what makes you fuel better so i think that's part of it too like tons of athletes are trying fueling protocols that just suck they don't give you like gratification when you're eating it or drinking it so i think building in something you actually like to train with and fuel with can take you to another level too yeah sometimes sometimes pancakes and then you take a goo and you kind of put it between the pancakes and quarter them up those are great on the bike too goo pancakes oh my you've got some really interesting ones with the 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 whole small potatoes on the bike. That's cool. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, those are those are really good. And then you get the um, Kodiak protein pan pancakes. Yeah. They're just loaded with protein in them. And then you like caramel macchiato or whatever flavor you want to put in and you just make little pancake sandwiches. It's like syrup. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Maple syrup is like perfect. And they're easy to, you know, put in a small little Ziploc and grab them and eat them. Um, nice. So, yeah. Speaking of one thing I forgot to mention earlier is Pam, tell what is your longest transition in an Ironman event? I think that's something we need to talk about. They're not, no, they're long in 70.3s because I do Ironman transitions when I do 70.3s. Even your Ironman transitions are a little bit long. I, I never, I never really track those. They're not very, yeah, they're not, they're, they're, your husband knows. Yeah, he, I know. I hear it every, after every race. Why, <laughs> why did I take that long in transition? <laughs> Weren't we talking like up to 12 minutes or something here? I don't think I've ever been that long. Scott, have I ever had a 12 minute transition? Yes. No, I haven't. No, <laughs> no, I haven't. I think I remember. We'll have to look it up and put a follow up in the outro of what it was. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I don't think that long. I Something would have had been really wrong for to be that long. Eight minutes, maybe. All right. Well, that's not bad for Iron Man. Okay. But I think maybe it was a 70.3 that I was like, what the hell is she doing in there? It was a 70.3. It had been a few years and I, I couldn't do anything to get my hat on my, my running bib. I mean, it was a mess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, great points out of your perspectives, Pam. I think a lot of people, you know, might want to reach out to you. We'll put your Instagram handle in the show, show notes in case anyone wants to DM you with some questions. I mean, I think there's a collective of athletes who have gone through 
nearly everything or they probably will. And I think your advice is, is really going to catapult a lot of people and help them. So that's going to be good. Um, but before we end, what are your favorite races and what's your favorite pre-race meal? Favorite pre-race meal is always pancakes. Okay. Nice. Oh, got to find pancakes. That's I got to check that box off before a race. Always. I did that as a gymnast. I had pancakes every, before every meet. Um, so that's, that's like, that tradition is like 40 years going, um, favorite race. I, you know, I really enjoyed Cozumel. I'd like to go back. Paradise, right? That was just a, I, I just really liked it down there. It was, it was a lot of fun. It's like the entire Island was nothing but triathletes. It was just a lot of fun. And I, it was a good, good weekend when I was there weather-wise and water-wise. So it was um, nice. After Kona this year, um, would you ever want to try an extreme try or travel to maybe a non-Ironman branded race that's still going to be a cool experience? You know, what do you think about this milestone that you're going to hit this year? And, you know, obviously it's going to be major impact, but beyond that, where do you want to go? Mm, actually really looking forward to maybe riding my bike more with my husband, like going yeah. somewhere and doing some really epic bike ride um maybe watching a couple legs of the tour in france i mean just more more i really love the bike i'm not sure about from a racing standpoint though i still want to keep racing um it would just nice to have the pressure off or just whatever happens happens but um definitely want to do a little more biking in a lot of different areas um i just had an athlete go to girona and do this massive bike tour all through there and the pictures just she said it was the best bike tour she's ever done so put that one on your list yeah i don't know anybody who hasn't gone on some like bike trip bike tour that hasn't come back and said oh that was amazing yeah they all say you know yep um another thing i want to highlight too sorry um scott your husband he has been probably one of the best supporting husbands i think i've ever come in contact with um not only is he you know yeah go ahead and race but he books the trips immediately he gets the transportation taken care of he doesn't go to every single race but he goes to <laughs> tons of them and him him and i are always text him back and forth when you're racing the whole time and he's putting updates so it takes a takes a strong support partner to get through what you've gone through yeah, he, he's, he's awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't ask for better support. Um, it's kind of funny because if I'm dilly dallying around too much at night, he'll kind of look at me and say, don't you have a workout to do? <laughs> like, why, why aren't you working out tonight? It's like, I haven't gotten there yet. No, he's great. He's great. And we've already just booked our accommodations to come out to watch, um, championships in, in May. Oh, well, I didn't know you're going to be here. Yeah. That's going to be incredible. Yeah. We, we just, we, we thought, why not? <laughs> We love St. George and it would be kind of nice to watch, um, see, see everything. So super excited to head out there. Cool. Maybe ride a little. Yeah. Ride the course beforehand a couple of days out. Mm -hmm. Jackson, any follow-ups? I just am amazed that, you know, um, that you've been able to pers persevere through all these injuries and, and qualify in a relatively short period of time, you know, working with a coach for five years, like people go for this forever and ever. Um, and, you know, it's cool to see that you've been able to qualify. And I do think you're going to keep racing after, cause I think you're going to just feel like you're missing it. And, uh, but it would be nice to not have the pressure for sure. But um, we'll see you definitely at St. Anthony's. Yep, and cool. um, 
that's a lot shorter of a race. So your transition should definitely be under three minutes each. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I'll go. I'll shoot for that. I'll shoot for that. I'll work on my transitions. Jackson set the standard under three minutes. Yeah, there it is. So each, each distance you can double it. So half, you can go six full 12. (laughs) No no 12 minutes. (laughs) Got to get out of there. You have to use the bathroom. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, thanks, Pam, for coming on. I think uh, it's been great to hear, give your perspective to athletes who are in your shoes and trying to do what you've done and to hear that it's possible within a period of time and with a good, you know, support system um, is is pretty great to hear. I mean, it's, it's a story I certainly wanted to tell. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Nick. All right. Thanks. And, uh, and, And Nick also, you know, thanks for getting me there, you know. You've, uh, you're part of you're part of this whole uh, picture here, and super excited to uh, you know have a good year of training and, and do well. Absolutely, it's been a it's been an honor to be part of any athlete's journey, and of course, when I get to learn, and you know, obviously, we all become a little bit more like family when it's been this long. So, of course, you had to do all the hard work. You had to go through. You, it cost you a lot more money uh, to, con- to pursue this dream. So, I. And it's a privilege just to be on board. So anyways, thanks for that, Pam. Appreciate it. And we'll see you real soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah. That was an awesome interview with Pam Baller. Um, obviously a great athlete and great example of just, you know, what it takes to get to Kona in terms of perseverance and attention to detail and hiring Nick as your coach. So uh, <laughs> that was not the point. Gosh, I know. Just trying to throw you some advertising. Okay. Thanks, I appreciate it. Nick is taking on athletes. He's only got 40. He's willing to take on another 35. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, uh, no, 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 that was great. I mean, it's really cool to, uh, to hear the age group experience. Ultimately, I think it's really important that we always bring in an age group interview once every at least couple months because they're literally are the lifeblood of this sport and um they're probably the majority of the people listening to this podcast are age groupers unless it's just all like low-level pros that we've never heard from so um low-level pros that's a kick in the balls but we're all low-level pros unless we're freaking winning right (laughs) you're only as good as your last 10-minute race yeah your race um yeah so we'll be back with you know, we'll be back in the consistent realm. Garrick's going to be back. He's Garrick's in his final grind of school. He's done May 1st. He's going to get his whatever it's called when you get your, um, what, I'm dropping the ball on what it's called. You know, when people need like, oh God, it's not like, uh, it's not a, What's he do, Nick? What's the name he's of what a, he does? He does prosthetics. I think prosthetics. He's- yes. Well, he's gonna be a. Ma- it's like a master. That was the word he couldn't say. I couldn't. I never remember the word. I'm like, I know what it is, but I'm not gonna describe it because it sounds terrible to describe. But anyways, he'll be back, and then he's gonna be way more available for freaking just always doing triathlon, and he's probably gonna like be on in a race. Who knows? So. Well, I already told him I'm not cutting my hair until he races again. There you go. And yeah, his hips are coming along. He's freaking starting to, you know, train that patient son of a gun. So. All right. Well, let's roll into the next episode and uh, see you next time we see you. Yeah. Peace. Out. Out.
Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one-man mission trying to see it through.